You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Evan Banks. And I'm Deanna Lee. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's May 3rd. When the Mueller report was released two weeks ago, it revealed many details about Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. The report characterized Moscow's meddling as, quote, sweeping and systematic, and it outlined the two major operations Russia conducted in an effort to influence voters and the outcome of the election. First, Russia's Internet Research Agency led a social media effort that reached tens of millions of Americans. A second operation involved computer intrusion by Russian military intelligence of several Democratic-related targets, including the Democratic National Committee and state and local election boards. Will Russia's bad behavior subside now that more details about these activities have been made public? Rand's William Courtney says the U.S. could increase sanctions, strengthen American resilience to political warfare, and more boldly challenge Russian interests. But the Kremlin may still see propaganda, disinformation, and subterfuge as useful tools to undermine America's values and cohesion, he says. Quote, It's the perfect, cost-effective, asymmetric weapon for the weak to use against the strong. According to a new RAND study, more than one-third of young adults report using cannabis and tobacco or nicotine products together. This means they're using one product right after the other or mixing the substances. Our researchers found that young people who reported doing this tended to consume more marijuana and tobacco or nicotine. And it's not just heavier substance use that's the problem. The study also revealed that mixing cannabis with tobacco or nicotine is linked to worse mental and physical health, as well as more problematic behaviors compared with young people who didn't use both products together. Things like fighting, skipping school, or being fired from a job. These findings highlight a unique public health challenge as more and more jurisdictions legalize cannabis. According to lead author Joan Tucker, co-use of cannabis and tobacco could reverse some of the progress the public health community has made in reducing rates of tobacco use. We can no longer think about the consequences of tobacco or marijuana alone, she says. We have to think about them together. This week, ISIS leader Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi appeared on video for the first time in five years. Why has Baghdadi emerged, and why now? There are many possible reasons, says Rand's Colin Clark. But he says that, in the end, Baghdadi may have achieved his goals simply by showing his face. He proved that he is alive and reasserted his leadership of what remains of ISIS, not only in Iraq and Syria, but in its far-flung franchises and affiliates. And he likely provided a morale boost for ISIS supporters, remaining militants and lone wolf terrorists who may have been contemplating an attack. Friends and RAND researchers Aaron Taylor and Layla Parast gave birth within weeks of one another. They had the same insurance because they both work at RAND, they used the same in-network hospital, and both Taylor and Parast received epidurals during their deliveries. But as they shared on the Today Show last week, only Parast received a $1,600 bill for anesthesiology services. Unbeknownst to her, the anesthesiologist on call that administered her epidural late at night was not in her network. Parast wondered, who would have the presence of mind during labor to ask about that kind of thing? This experience revealed that even patients who go out of their way to use an in-network facility can get a surprise bill. 
What's even more concerning is that out-of-network charges like this disproportionately affect people with low incomes and those whose health status is fair or poor. With the perspective of both patients and researchers, Taylor and Parast have outlined how the system could lessen the hardship on patients. For example, hospitals and insurers could work together to make things more transparent. Hospitals could have patients pre-register for a planned stay, and then work with insurance companies to provide each patient with an estimate of total expected charges. Physician bills and insurance statements could be simplified, too. Clear explanations of charges, reasons the insurance company did not pay the full amount, and why the patient is being charged would help consumers better understand their bills, and help them prepare to pay them. Steps like these might go a long way toward reducing the economic uncertainty associated with hospital stays. You can read more about this story and watch Parast and Taylor's Today Show appearance on Rand.org. Last month, the European Union extended the Brexit deadline to October 31st. Meanwhile, British Parliament remains in gridlock. According to a recent survey conducted by Rand and other research partners, the British public is also unsure about how the UK should leave the European Union. When Britons were asked to choose from four options, ranging from remaining in the EU to leaving the EU without a deal and trading under World Trade Organization terms, there was no obvious winner. However, when comparing the survey results from 2017 and 2018, public opinion did appear to be shifting toward a softer Brexit. That is, a Brexit that maintains a closer relationship with the EU. Given these results, it's not surprising that politicians are struggling to disentangle what Brexit option may be the most acceptable. The British public's indecision may mean that Parliament is not so far off from the will of the people, after all. As a high school student, Rand's Dion Barnes Proby was part of an effort to integrate schools. She took the bus an hour and a half to her new school, where she was one of only a few minority students. She often didn't get the support she needed. They didn't talk to us about post-secondary education, she says. We weren't told about taking the SATs. Barnes Proby recalls being told by a counselor that she shouldn't even apply to college because she likely wouldn't get in. She says that her experience developed a passion for helping to prevent young people from going through the same thing. She began her career as a social worker and foster care case manager, and then became a social policy researcher. In nearly 20 years at RAND, she studied many issues that affect young people in need, including juvenile justice, workforce development programs for people with criminal records, and support programs for children and women exposed to violence. Barnes Proby says her early experiences continue to motivate her to this day. A common thread in her work is empowering the community. She says she wants community voices to be engaged and be heard from the beginning to the end of the research process. Quote, When I was young, we weren't asked our opinions, and our parents were not asked their opinions. You've got to talk to the people you're intending to help, and make sure they're actually receiving the help that is intended. To learn more about Barnes Proby and her research, check out our Q&A on RAND.org. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision-making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org slash podcast. See you next week.